Yeah. Yeah. I got a coffee. There's this new coffee place down the street that's like amazing. What do they specialize in? Mm. How, mm. Do they, how do they brew it? Care. They specialize in care. They do a, <laughs> uh, they do a per cup, you know, French press deal, which, you know, that's kind of a thing now. Blue Bottle, I think, kind of kicked that off here in town. Yeah. Douchey hipsters and hats go there and get their like, you know, 35 minute coffee. But these guys do it really well. They're like coffee scientists. You go in there and the guy's like trying different baskets to like make the ideal espresso. Brown Owl. Uh, nobody lives in my neighborhood, but if you're anywhere near my neighborhood, and don't be creepy about it, uh, it's on uh, Terraval, uh between 21st and 22nd. Brown Owl. James and Ariana. Look it up. They are good. And they're both, uh, you know, fine artists, which is kind of cool. So how far are you from what people would think of as like the downtown San Francisco? As far as you can be? No, I'm the second furthest you can be and still be. Nobody considers where I live San Francisco. Oh, you know really? what I mean? Yeah, no, Montero is always like, well, I have to get my currency exchanged. And I don't know if I can get a connecting <laughs> flight. Yeah, there's a reason people hate you, Mike. There's a reason. Not me, just other people. I love Mike. God, that interview with him was good. We're just, you're not going to use this for the show, right? We're just talking, right? Yeah, we'll throw this out. We're just guys, guys Gavin. That was great. That, the whole thing was great. But then at the end, when you got them all pissed off, it was awesome. It was so, everybody needs to listen to that episode, including me. Like, I so needed to hear that. Well, the whole the whole first party. So you know, you, if you follow him on Twitter, you know you expect this kind to. of thing from him. Right? Yeah. And then, and we then, know he's one of my good pals. We're we're really good pals. But like he's he's not he's a lot like he's on Twitter, except that he's kind of not. Well, he was so quiet, and then at the end, all of a sudden, the, the like this uh, dragon came out. It was great. Who could who would have known? I've asked Eric about this. I, I, it's, uh, he has this thing. I don't know if I've ever said this to him. He doesn't listen to podcasts. So I'm not worried. But uh, he has like this kind of like. Uh, kind of like a 36-hour emotional flu that he gets occasionally. He'll go on a jag for 36 hours. And I've wondered if there's any way Erica can maybe not control that, but at least be aware that it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, and you got to go download his Photoshop thing, you know, and uh, that guy's a genius. I used to, I did a little bit of work with them. And I'm just here to tell you, <clears throat> I didn't do a very good job, but I, I managed a couple projects for them. And he's probably one of the best client services pers- people I've ever worked with. Janice Frazier and him are two of the best I've ever worked with because um, in different ways, obviously, because their personalities, Janice uh, was adaptive path, uh, used to be adaptive path. And, but in different ways, Janice is just great at making you feel like they're competent and they love you. And, I, you know, Mike does the same thing, but he's su- like, as you could get from his interview, he's also just super frank and he doesn't shine you on to right. make you love him and it makes you love him. It's exactly, and the thing is, he's not just shining, he's not just saying things in that interview. He does all of that stuff really, really, really well. With people like Kara Swisher, so, you know. Anyway, how are you doing? doing how's, good. how's, you doing good? How's your private office? Is the weather good? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's getting warmer again, so it's kind of uncomfortable already. Hmm. It's just been pissing rain here. It's disgusting. It's so gross. The city gets so gross it's just been foggy and cold and wet and just depressing but you know i my spirits are high because that's just how i roll but it's it gets cold there too it stays cold i yeah. mean it is like perma perma 50 here it's it's almost always in the 50s every day no matter what i love it's, san francisco though it's a great time. i do too i do too i said this i think in uh, s1e1 but the truth is like i uh i my, this is the climate that suits me I just, I don't like being hot. And now when I go to Florida, I go to Sarasota with that excruciating blue light. 
you know what I mean? The quality of sunshine is just so bright. And the temperature, you know, the color temperature is just so blue and blinding. It's like a Camus novel. I just can't take it. Oh, I can't take it. I can take a lot. I don't mind the cold. I don't mind. You know what? And I'll take drizzles over sweating any day. Oh, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, uh, that was a Bertrand Russell book. So <laughs> did you want do you want can we talk about can we talk about restaurants today? Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. You suggested that and I thought, man, that we have a lot to talk about there. Restaurants are amazing. To, well, yeah. And we're not really talking are. about eating it at restaurants. We're talking about working there, right? Or were you well, thinking Well, you know, eating? you end up eating there. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, for once, I think you should start. What is your, how much background? So you don't seem like a guy who's worked in a restaurant. You don't seem like you have what I would consider the classic restaurant worker personality. So I'm really curious about what your background is. Uh, well, I probably haven't worked in as many restaurants as you have. Uh, I've, I've only worked in maybe three so I don't, I don't know if that, but, and I don't know if some of the restaurants I worked in could even qualify as a real restaurant. Would Burger King be considered a restaurant? They call it a store, but I would consider it a restaurant. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, after working there, I'm not so sure, but my first job was when I was 13 years old and mm-hmm. I've, I have worked nonstop since then, except when I was, you know, laid off or the, the dot com imploded or something. What, what year, what year is that? That would be 84. I'm ter- Have I ever told you that I'm terrible at math? I don't believe that for a second. That's true. Uh, but I'll tell you that it was probably 85. 84, 85. Were you there in 86 too? Yeah. Well, no. You, were you there when Herb? I guess what I'm asking is, you, so you were there when Herb started. I was, pro- Herb? Where's Herb? That was, I think that was uh, like early 86. Maybe. Were there, oh remember my gosh. I think I was, I was done by then maybe. That was their, I think that was their, their version of trying to do a Where's the Beef thing, yeah, yeah, an terrible. early example of trying to go viral, and <laughs> it, was, it was abysmal. It was abysmal. Well, I worked, and the food I was always there. awful. It was all, yeah, yeah, it's charred grill, but then it's all microwaved, right? Everything's microwaved. We, we did microwave some things, but it depended on, on what it was. But I was the guy that would make, basically my job was mainly doing burgers, uh, which mm-hmm. is like the, the low, and, and that, and cleaning bathrooms and taking the trash around and mopping the floors. Did you call it grill? Doing a grill? No, I. Well, they might have called it that. Uh, but that's what I called it when I worked at McDonald's. But you know, that's worse than French fries. I thought French fries was the bomb. French fries is is actually the next level up. Oh God, that's that's way greasier, isn't it? Oh, but with the cleaning, you get way more. You have to empty the grease traps and stuff. Like oh that. yeah, everything. And I, you would have to basically stand behind the broiler. The broiler was this, you know, five hundred degree oven with basically imagine two conveyor belts, uh, one on top of the other. Uh, inside of a large metal box. The top <laughs> conveyor belt is the thing that, that actually flame grills the, the burgers. And the bottom conveyor is where you put the buns, which get lightly toasted. And there are two racks on the other end so that the top conveyor belt you put in the burgers, the bottom conveyor belt you put in the buns, they go through, they get they get cooked perfectly, and they kind of drop out like feces dropping out on the other side. It's very disgusting. <laughs> and then you take the tongs, and you grab the burger and put it onto the bun, and uh, then you put it down into this bin, and the bin is sort of steaming them and keeping them at some kind of edible temperature. You don't want them in there very long, but when the lunch rush is going to hit, you know you're Mm going to need 20 of each kind of burger in there just ready to go, or else you're going to get screwed. So that And that's, that's basically your job, and you just are putting them back there. And the frustrating thing about it back then was that they had a little, a little, uh, deep freeze that would sit right there underneath the the grill and in the deep freeze that's where you would have 
all of your uh, frozen patties right there. Lo- the log, you get yeah. logs. Yeah, them, you gotta yeah, break up. yeah. They're in, yeah. and but you'd have they, they get you didn't have gloves. You would be using your bare hands, and you'd be reaching mm-hmm. down in there, thirteen years old, reaching down in there, trying to smash up these giant compressed logs of of beef patties. And get them, and get, so sometimes you get the whopper, and you'd be like, "The the whoppers are stuck. I can't separate these three whopper. I can't do it. I just can't do it." I can't believe you was thirteen. I thought you had to be fourteen or fifteen to work in a restaurant in Florida. Uh, I think maybe the rules changed. Uh, I think oh. I needed my mom to, you know, sign that I had permission to work at thirteen. Mm. But this, like, since, like joining the navy, mm-hmm. yeah. But now the rules are different. Now the rules have changed. Did you so when you worked at a Burger King? Was your Burger King like a kind of a busy Burger King? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. No, it was busy, especially lunch and dinner. McDonald's ran better when it was busy. It ran way better. It was when it got slow that McDonald's got weird for yeah. me. So where where was this located? Were you like anywhere near the mouse or were, you know, like? Where, no, where this you? was down in South Florida. This was in Delray. Oh God! So you got a lot of retirees. Yeah, you had retirees and and you know young 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 families with lots of kids and angry, surly people who worked for the people who lived in Boca that hated everybody. Yeah. And there was one they, time... They, I, they, invented, they invented hotels there, didn't they? Was that in Palm Beach? They <laughs> yeah, invented Flagler, what, didn't Flagler invent hotels? Yes. So I remember <sighs> one guy came in there, and uh, this big dude, and I was mopping the floors, as usual, and there was... Uh, he comes in, and I mean, the place wasn't too busy, but he comes in and he says, I drove for... Because we were like, this was like the only Burger King for you know 20 30 minute drive he's like i drove 30 minutes and this is what i get we said no pickles and there's pickles on every one of these and he throws the whole bag which had like you know burgers and fries and drinks and everything and he slams it down on the floor and it just goes everywhere and uh the, the manager uh is you know totally cool and calm he's like i'm sorry sir you know We'd be happy to remake it for you for free, and you can get your next meal for free. I don't want it for free. I want what I came to get. And he just looks at me and like nods me over. <laughs> I don't want food. I want dignity. Yeah, and I, of course, that's, it, it, that's that's all about dignity. That's the, all about that's the. He was insulted. He was like, it was like you had personally been attacked. But you've already you've identified. Like I've got, as I said, when I I, I, I tutored you or I skypeified you a little while ago about how I'd done a little brainstorming about my restaurant jobs to prep for this, and almost all of them on some level come back to just how bad human beings are as just as as humans just that people are bad and you that's part of that is there's a core pattern that you pick up in restaurants and it can be hopeful but you learn how bad it can get because you really are like an invisible person in some ways when you work in a restaurant you're a lot like you know clearly there are brands that try to change that but by and large if you work in a restaurant you don't probably don't love being there by no, and large no i don't i mean unless, the, unless you're like the sous chef right Oh, yeah, that, that's a new thing, though. This like let's all be restaurant people thing—that's really weird. But the but but, but by, in my opinion, like uh, before we get into more specifics, I just want to point out that one of the lessons of this, from a back to work standpoint, I think it, why we made the crack last week, I think about why everybody should have to work in a restaurant is you you. Okay, so there was a time in America like when we had more experiences as a group. This has been written to death for 25 years, right? You know, bowling alone and sense of place and all these different places. That, you know, talk about how, you know, we're increasingly isolated or not compelled to be in groups with people and we kind of don't know how to act in public so you also going to a movie oh my god people just don't know how to behave in a theater anymore maybe maybe uh, on another hand maybe i'm just old and that's how you act in a theater now maybe you just you just act like, like you have some kind of head injury in a theater now and pointing laser pointers at the screen the whole time yeah or just yelling like you know and just you know it's but the thing is at a restaurant so the only distinction i want to make here is that like it used to be like 
I think, I don't think this is just mythology, but people who made it through World War II, people who made it through the Depression, right? People who made it through the Irish potato famine, like whatever. Like, you know, I'm just saying, though, you have a shared experience. You can go, hey, remember when when our kids died because there was no food? Yeah, I totally remember that. You know, everybody, my grandparents, we make fun of them and call them string savers, but they all legitimately, they survived an unbelievable period. You talk about people who lived in, uh, I mentioned the bombing of London. I mentioned that specifically last week because I'd actually had met this lady recently who had survived uh, bombings in both London and Belfast. And she, it was just, it's, we have no idea. We're sitting around like worried that, you know, Charlie Sheen didn't friend us back on Twitter. And these people are <laughs> seriously like sitting in a room and watching their kids die and then going like, okay, but we still got to keep working. It's extraordinary what, what people have been through. And then when you've gotten through that, you know, how, what was it? What percentage of American men served World War II? I know, I think, I'm pretty sure it was above 25%. Like it was, but it touched everybody. You saw flags in all the windows, right? When somebody got a star because somebody was serving and then maybe somebody died. And you know what I'm saying? There's, there really were more shared experience. We knew how to wait in a line. And today, I don't think we have that as much. And, and, and you are really compelled to have to deal with people. You are, you are forced into a situation where, A, the staff is off, you know, kitchen, front of house, management. It's all people you probably wouldn't choose to hang out with, but you've got to get along with them. You have to get along with them. And that's, we're not even touching on the customers. I mean, you're, you're touching on the customers here. You know what I mean, though? Did you, is that what, that's what I meant when I talk, meant talking about restaurants. Is that kind of what you were thinking, too? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it really shows the evolution of, of humanity if you look at the restaurant. It encapsulates everything. <laughs> it does. No, I mean, think about it. It does. It's everything. I'm not disagreeing. It's a ridiculous exaggeration that I happen to completely agree with. <laughs> well, so what we're, tell, tell me, what was your first restaurant experience? Well, God, where do I begin? The uh, but but just just a I'll jump ahead uh, three to my fourth restaurant gig, which was McDonald's, and say I had a lot of that same experience. I was I was a I worked grill, and b I was a closer, which is not a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross thing. I didn't get good leads, but 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 third I uh, also did truck. Did you have to do? Did you have? That's what we called it there. Did you ever have to unload the truck? Oh no no I never had to do that at the, there. Yeah. I have unloaded trucks, but never at a restaurant. Oh man, this had to be. Why would they make that? Wait, were you preparing the food or what were you doing besides that? Well, there's a McDonald's. McDonald's is really, it's a pretty mature system they've got there, right? I mean, like your burger conveyor belt, there's not a lot of room for personality and glitz. It really is very, it's a very mature system and you are there. It's very much like Metropolis. You know, you're, you're just, you're kind of there to keep the wheel of the clock turning. And as long as you do that, they make it idiot proof. And McDonald's, at least when I was there, which was I think 84, no, it was 84 and definitely 85 because I missed Live Aid because I had to work on Saturday. That was Saturday. <laughs> um, I missed Led Zeppelin getting back together because I had to, <laughs> I had to empty grease traps in Newport right, Ritchie. Right. Yeah, that's fine for Merlin. I, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> good, good. I'm never going to forget that. No, but, uh, I can tell. But, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but no, no, McDonald's, so our McDonald's, and here's, here's two things about our McDonald's. The reason I ask you that question about is it busy? Because first of all, let's be honest, again, see also New Zealand. Like a busy McDonald's can be really, really good, especially if you're like in Chicago or New York, you go to a really busy McDonald's and all the food is like seconds old. Yeah, that's what you, you, I was going to say. You, you, you only want to go, and this is my restaurant advice in general, you only want to mm-hmm. go to a restaurant that's regularly busy and you want to go when they are the most busy. And then understands their ingredients. That's another thing. Uh-huh. Um, my, my first restaurant story, which I'll tell you in a minute, was with my stepfather, who was, had been a restaurateur his whole life, had owned 35 restaurants, 
a lot, very, very, a lot of successful restaurants in Cincinnati and then uh, one very unsuccessful one in Florida. But we, um, but he would go into places because he was very small as a human being and not in stature. He was just a very small man. And wherever he went, he would order the most back crap insane thing on the menu that they, they had to screw up. Like he would go somewhere that was like chocular jacks, just steaks and potatoes. And he'd get like the lobster thermidor. And they'd be like, are you sure? Are you sure? Or they go, or you go like, you know, I want the, you know, Oh, something that's historically just always awful. Like a, like a chicken Florentine mm. or, or, you know, it's one of those things where it's made from leftovers and it gets reheated. He would always order something like that and then complain. And then he would steal the menu. That was just what he did. And when you do that at steak and ale, my mom would always have to carry a big purse so that he could steal the extremely large menus. What would he do? He, with she was them? like, she's like, Jack, you want me to put a cleaver? You want me to put a giant knife in my purse? And he's, he's from Serbia. He wasn't. What would he? he wasn't why smart. would he steal the menu? Um, competitive analysis. He would want to go and study other people's menus. Restaurant people. Right, and this back before you could just look that up on the internet. Well, the internet then was like for people, you know, that worked in the Department of Defense. Right. This is 1979. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> there was no DARPA project for steak and ale that I was aware of. <laughs> right. <laughs> Comes up with us at steak and ale. We're hearty dining abounds. Anyway, <laughs> my second favorite steak jingle after Outback Steakhouse circa 1999. How does that, one, that one Ready? Outback Steakhouse. Steak from the Outback. And that's it. So bad. <laughs> so he would have still in menu, but he was a very small man. So real getting, real Australians hate the Outback, by the way. Yeah, so the New Zealand, New Zealand, especially when you can get confused about whether they hate that. You know, the only point is what you're dead right. If you go, if you go to a busy fast food restaurant, you go to a busy anything, you're going to do better. And you know, if you get what's the thing that they're good at, I know that that sounds silly, but uh, I don't know. There's all kinds of like we can make lots of fake metaphors about life. That's really true. I mean, obviously, you know, if you, uh, you know, you if you keep going out with, uh, you know, <laughs> people who hit their spouse, you know, that's. You know, you shouldn't be surprised if somebody hits you. If you go and like keep ordering the lobster thermidor at the steak shack, you know, you really shouldn't be surprised. That's one to grow on. I, I my very first <laughs> one. So technically, so let's not even get into the whole step other thing. But the whole reason I ended up in Florida was because my mom married this guy who was a restaurateur. And so my first real restaurant job, actually not all that interesting. I was like a bus boy. While I was in military school, I'd come home on the weekends <laughs> and work and work at the at the restaurant at this at this old people country club. But the, the one story I do have to tell, as I mentioned, I think that too went up. Um, this, is, this is a true story. So this is like, so this is part of the problem. And nothing against the old people except that they're bad by and large. <laughs> like, I'm serious. Like the Walgreens, seriously, the coupon expired. They're not trying to screw it. It is an expired coupon. You're holding up the line. I'm just saying. Old people, they're not good. And so, and so, no, they're fine. I'm kidding, of course. Except they really are bad. And so we see this thing on Tuesday nights. Well, one day earner for us. And this is a pretty successful place. They, they, my father and my mom just worked like, oh, God, 20 hours a day at this place. It was crazy. They'd sleep on the couch in the office. It was nuts. But they made this place that has kind of historically just been a, a total loss leader for the country club into this really kind of a popular place. We do three turnovers a night on Saturdays. It was, it was pretty lively and yeah. giant. So it was like five grand a night on a Saturday. Pretty good for 1979. But anyhow, um, so five, 595 prime rib special Tuesday nights. You come out 595, right? 595, you're going to get like, well, it's not a lot. It was probably like a six or eight ounce slice of prime rib and you get a potato and the salad. And, you know, it was, this is like, this was a huge lesson for me though. Cause Tuesdays, Fridays and Saturdays, you get these same people, not every, they wouldn't come all three nights, but you get the Tuesday night people and they would have a standing reservation. 
Saturday night people, standing reservation. We had this band, you know, playing like, you know, big band and oldies and stuff. And they get up in line, dance together. Sounds like a big place. It was huge. It was huge. It was in a country club and it was designed to be a banquet place. And they Um. would fill the place up. It was crazy. But anyway, I mean, one, one, one thing that always struck me hilarious was that you get these standing reservations. Like when you really like a restaurant, you have a standing reservation. And you say, like, I'll be here every Tuesday at, 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 you know, at 730. And I want this table. I want this deuce I always get. And like seriously, I, there's one couple in particular, and they are far from being the only couple that did this. They would come in, not Tuesdays, but they would come in every Saturday, get the same crappy deuce next to the bar. They'd always complain, even though it was their standard table. They would steal all of the sugar and the salt shakers <laughs> every, every Saturday night. Wow. And they, and they would send their food back and complain literally every Saturday night. They were, they were serially unhappy, and, but they were happy. They were happy because they were unhappy. And we gave them this experience coming somewhere and sort of like you getting yelled at by I drove a long time to be your right, guy. Right. I'm just saying, like that's, you know, guy who yells at the waitress is like, a, it's a thing, you know? And you just, I think being exposed to that young, just realizing that that's out there, no matter how good of a waiter you are, no matter how good of a busboy you are, no matter how good of a chef you are, there's going to be a people, there's going to be people coming in there whose fundamental reason for being there is to bitch and to be unhappy. Why? Why does it come out? I mean, and this goes back to my comment about, uh, you know, it being sort of this microcosm for human experience. But why do you think people do that? I, I, and besides the fact that the, the wrong person to yell at or to be rude to or to be anything but nice to is the person who's bringing you your food. When will they learn? But why? Why do people? I've done things to people's food. What, oh have, you, what have you done? Is this like a fight club thing? Let's save it for the end. Okay. Uh, not, not good. Not good. Um, I've, for the record, I've, I've never done anything to anybody's food. What a pussy. God, you got to <laughs> teach these people a lesson, even if they don't know they're being taught that. Sometimes you got to get hepatitis and not know why. I'm just saying. Um, oh, jeez. No, I'm kidding. But they're old, you know? They're not good. But the, uh, but so, and, and I mentioned this in the two, this is a true story. Uh, and so, you know, you're hustling a restaurant. The margins are freaking thin on a restaurant. You do not make a lot of dough. You really do. If you do make it up, you make it up on volume. And to be honest, I mean, think about the restaurants you like and go to a lot. Well, they do have a limited number of ingredients that they do really well. Right. So if you suddenly decide to go into sushi, like, well, you know, that tuna is only really going to be good for a couple of days, yeah. but we were really good. We had the special machine for making ribs. Like it was really good food, especially for like a retirement uh, area, oh, right. country, you know, it wasn't a country club. I mean, really, it was a place with condos and like $5 golf. It was awful. It was very Caddyshack. But the, um, it's a true story. So the, what was it called? The Suncoast, oh God, the Suncoast News, our little local throwaway paper, you know, a little throw on the driveway paper that everybody gets. Um, we ran a coupon in there a lot, which was, I think it was like a two, you know what it was? I remember specifically, it was a two for one. You would get a two for one dinner <laughs> you came in. Right. But, you know, it was not applicable on prime rib night because we were already cutting you a serious deal for your five ninety five plate of food. Right. And once we ran every week and one time the Suncoast News screwed up and did not include the language on there that said, listen, this is you can't do this on prime rib. night." You know, this is not this coupon. Right. Right. It was right there. It said it right on there. It was not like it was not like fuzzy weasel words. It was like, oh, and by the way. If you want another cheap experience, come here on Tuesday nights because they left that off one week. And people showed up 
and they had this coupon in their hand where they wanted two prime rib dinners for five ninety five. So my mom ran the place. She was the manager and the hostess and the hiring person and the everything. And my uh, stepfather ran the kitchen. And as much as he was a complete human penis, he did a really good job. He was a really, he knew how to run a, run a restaurant. Right. He was that broken of a human being that he knew how to run a restaurant really well. <laughs> Wait, you, have, you need, you to, you to, need be, to come back to that and qualify that. But <laughs> Okay, we'll capture that because I, I definitely want to do that. You don't work in a restaurant for 30 years because you're wired right. I'm just saying. And people came in and we had, we saw this and we were like, oh my God, this is going to be a debacle. And so my mom went out and bought a frame and she had this thing mounted and she put the coupon in there and said, we are so, so, so sorry. This was an error by our friends at the Suncoast News. Unfortunately, we cannot honor the coupon tonight. And of course, these are people who've been there over and over and over. Yeah. They live there. They come there all the time. They know my mom. Hand of God, a guy came in and he was ballistic because my mom, as they came in, she would say, well, and just in case you brought the coupon, just so you know, da, 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 because right. we'd lose our shirts like that. Oh, yeah. You would we'd be losing money if we did that. Uh, the guy literally wadded up the coupon and tried to shove it between my mom's boobs. He wadded the coupon and with a little fist, like what had actually gotten up to like within half an inch of my mom's booze because he was going to teach her a lesson by putting a crumpled up piece of newspaper between her breasts. That's so bizarre. The breasts that once nourished me and now ran a restaurant (laughs) were going to soon bear a coupon. Now my mom, she's a small lady, but among her many distinguishing characteristics is she is startlingly strong. Like it's, she's weirdly strong. Everybody says this. She's like, she can just, she can, she's got like man hands. Like she can just open stuff She's like 5'3", but she'll just bust your ass. She instinctively did this ninja move on this guy. My mom's never hurt anybody in her life on, by design. But she grabbed this guy, and I think she must have gotten a little bit of his finger, and she did this full, like she brought the guy to the ground. Wow. And she's like, sir, we're not going to honor your coupon. You should go. And I'm just saying, like this is a grown man. Yeah. This is a man who was like 66 years old probably. Well, easy enough to take, I guess. But, but I mean, that's what you're dealing with in a restaurant. You know, there's this whole class of jobs out there that I think of. We, we remember we talked about being an informa- information janitor. Oh, yeah. Think about the person who works at the desk at a hotel. Think about a rental car person at the airport. Think about the person at a drive through at 1.45 a.m. Your whole definition of how well that experience went is how little you had to deal with them. A successful rental car experience is one that is as short as humanly possible. Right. I got into trouble for this at Webstock because I was uh, – my, my workshop, my second workshop went extremely well except with the extremely friendly New Zealand people where I said – I talked about this bad room service experience that I had and how like I don't care if the guy's the greatest Proust scholar in the world and an Olympic swimmer. If he's in my room for too long and creeps me out, he's failed as a room service guy. And they're like, yeah, but what about his dreams? It's not – it's not <laughs> – it's not, you know, you know, it's not friendly. And I was like, I don't want him to be friendly. I want him to, don't show me my food. I know that's food. I'm going to trust that that's food under those silver things. Now please leave so I can feed my daughter. And I got in trouble for that. But I really believe that. And, and that's one reason it sucks to work at a restaurant is that even if people are nice and a lot of them are not, you know, you're, you're not even human in a lot of ways, right? You're, you are, you might as well be. And this is why I think they think they can yell even the people who aren't serially mean, and we should come back to that, yeah. we'll just yell at people because they can. You know what I mean? Uh, or because I, I just, maybe in, the, in their own lives, they're 
they are on the receiving end of that, and this is their time to turn the tables. I said that uh, it was a phrase I was using over and over a few minutes ago, but it's two things. I think it's power and self-esteem. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's like it's almost like, you know, throwing balls at the clown and trying to, you know, dunk him in the tank. You know, the clown's not going to throw the ball back. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a clown anymore. Then he'd be a guy who'll beat your ass. Nobody, <laughs> wants, nobody wants to get their ass kicked by a clown, you know? Not really. <laughs> That's not something you want to think about. And so, like, you know, you see this five foot three lady who's trying to, like, be really nice to you and you think you can put a coupon in her boobs. You're going to get a really quick education, Johnny. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But um, well, we should, I want to hear some, some, some more of yours. But that was my very first one. And I was a busboy there. I, you know, how, long were you, how long were you working there for? I probably did it a total of six to ten times because uh, my father thought – my stepfather, stepfather thought it would be a really good idea for me to go to military school in a different town. And so uh, I wasn't home all that many weekends. That's a great way to be 12, by the way. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, in a new state, in a new town, in military school when you're 12, just FYI. But he was a good chef. And uh, so how long were you there at the BK? A BK, maybe four months. Yeah. I mean, I worked there after school and on the weekends. Oh, that's not bad. That's not – I'm not trying to compare, but like at McDonald's, the really cherry job – was to work breakfast and like all the old ladies who had been there for 20 years. And I, I don't mean in a disparaging way. I mean, they were like super competent. Yeah. They knew how to run it, but they come in there. The place would be immaculate because we'd cleaned it. And then they'd set everything up blah, 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 and they were out of there by 10, really 1045. And when people like you would come in and then do all the lunch stuff, I, but I was a closer. So I did grill mostly. I also did uh, what do they call it? What did they call it back then? It was drive through. Oh, sh- window, doing window, they called it, oh, which yeah. is actually doing the counter. And then uh, I, but I mostly did the grill. And uh, so that sucks because, but, but it was completely like a monkey could have done this. You grab your big log of beef, you break them into pieces, you put them on the grill and you hit a button. In 30 seconds, it Does the thing, the thing come down or do you flip them? No, no, no. This is, this is completely idiot proof. You put the burger on the griddle, the little you know thing, you hit the button. 30 seconds later, it goes beep, beep, beep. Um, I forget how many minutes later it goes beep, beep, beep again, which means flip it over and salt it and put the little crappy dehydrated onions on. And then beep, beep, beep again means take it off. That's it. You don't even have to think. It's completely idiot proof. But then you got to quote, it sounds so much nicer than as you got to do dishes at the end of the night. Yeah. So you sounds- empty the grease traps. You got to wash the grease off of everything. Greasy, make grease, grease. Then since I was a closer, I would have to close. So you got to do all that stuff. You got to mop, you do the whole nine. And then once a not a month, once every two weeks, I'd also do truck. So after I had done the grill and after I had done cleanup, then I would have to unload a truck until two or three in the morning for three seventy-five an hour. Yeah, okay. that was good money though. <laughs> Back then. It was forty cents above minimum wage. Yeah, you know yeah, I made I made three thirty-five at the Burger King. Yeah, it was three thirty-five forever. And I, man, when I when I when I got my next job at Publix bagging groceries. Mm. Oh man, three three fifty five an hour. I was the king of the world. I heard Publix was good to work for. It Is was. It was a very good place to work for. Yeah. I mean, I still yeah. had the, in order to get promoted from from bag boy to part time stockman, which was the holy grail for a fourteen year old. You wow. had to you had to do a lot of dirty work though. Again, I was always mopping floors, cleaning out bathrooms and break rooms, and asking oh, asking at Mister Sands, can I please 
can I please clean bathrooms? Because that was how you got promoted to, that's how you got to like moonlight so that you, I, you would I come in. and positive, then you, positive mental attitude probably meant a lot there. It's a very Christian it group. They were closed on Sundays until like the 90s. Remember that? It was closed on Sundays when you worked there, I bet. Not in Boca. What? No, it Chick, was open. Chick-fil-A and Publix. I thought no, they all, no, all Publix, was, Publix was open Sundays. Uh, times have changed, Dan. Christianity is just, it's not what it used to be. That's a shame. I think the demand for it to be open in Boca was pretty strong. Well, I think, uh, and, and, and like the only thing that's a, like a lower margin business in restaurants is maybe grocery stores, especially back then. And like a seventh of your, you know, <laughs> potentially a seventh of your income is going to be cut off by being closed Sundays. Uh, yeah. So grocery stores. Now, did you ever see rats? You know, most grocery stores. Never, never saw, never saw any, any, you know, I don't know if it was just the one I worked in, but it was remarkably clean. I never saw rats. I never saw, you You're know, kidding. Like not even near like the bulk stuff. Never, 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 never wow. saw anything like that. Okay. Never. In, Everybody in I knew was working in a grocery store. I seen lots of rats and my, um, the bass player in my college band. And the Winn-Dixie, I'd see him in the store, but not, not in our public. Comma, whose dad had been a butcher at Winn-Dixie forever. And he was a, bag boy and cleanup guy just like you he's like there were rats everywhere wow especially after they closed they were just freaking everywhere yeah terrible we're gonna get sued now when dixie probably can't afford lawyers i bet we're okay um the what was i gonna say the mcdonald anyway i'm just saying i it was for me it was a total education i, I want to quickly touch on the very 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 first restaurant job i had well technically i mean the steakhouse counted but the first like where i went I, like I was in eighth grade, I saw an opening in the paper. I really wanted to get a, a job and I wanted some money, right? My mom was sick of buying me Jordash. Like I had to go do it myself. You want Jordash, you want Nikes, you're going to go buy them, right? That's 40 bucks for a pair of shoes, which is insane to my mother. Just completely insane, right? So I went to this place. It was an end of the paper, new restaurant open, English cuisine, which is one of those things like, you know, military intelligence. Right. It's like, it's like boiled sponges and tripe, you know, Ugh. but I go into this place, it's brand new, they're just opening, the people are very, they're very, you know, they seem very jolly, and they have lots of pork pie pudding stuffers and kidney something, it was just really weird, they played darts and stuff, it was really, really English, and they're like, okay, you're going to be a busboy, I was like, fantastic, busboy, this is a great job, and I'd gone in, I had an interview, I wore a three-piece suit and a 14. Right? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, I always overdress for these things. Um, so I show up, and they're like, okay, well you know, wear a white shirt and black pants and bring a bow tie. So I got a little clip on bow tie. I go in and they're like, okay, we'll show up at three or something like that. I was like, Ooh, okay. All right. Well, they go, okay, we can take your bow tie off and go on into the kitchen. And I was like, okay. And then you mean like set tables or something like, no, no, no. And basically I was, were you nervous I was, when I was you were doing this for two hours? Were you was, nervous go, though? Oh, it's terrified. I was terrified. I'd never had like a jobby job. I was away from my mom. I was 14. Yeah. I was scared. I probably had a boner most of the time. And I was just like really like weird. I was a weird kid. I like, I like played D and D masturbated and watched Fridays and that was pretty much it. And so I, I went in there and, you know, I washed my hands and stuff, but, but I basically was a prep cook. I had to peel potatoes. I had to wash pots, not dishes, pots. Remember I'm a bus boy. And then every time somebody vacated a table and this is all like stuff like Yorkshire pudding, all like disgusting, hard to clean stuff. They'd say, put on your bow tie, go out there and bust a table. But I was a prep cook, and I knew it wasn't going to be much. I knew it wasn't going to be a lot. It was going to be like minimum wage, which might have been maybe two seventy five, something like that. But uh, the reason I tell the story is I went in to collect my first paycheck. It was like on a Friday. I wasn't working, but I was like, hey, I'm my first check. 
And this is a true story. I went in and I got my check and it was for something like $22. Like I'd worked for like four or five nights. And I was like, I took it out. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and the number of hours on it seemed right. And stuff. It was like a personal check. They'd written me like a personal check. <laughs> I went out to the car and I was like, hmm, this, I thought I'd get more money this. My mom looked at it and was like, get back, go back in there. That's, that's not right. That's not right. I went back in there. I said, um, I worked here for like five nights and you know, it's here for like you know, six hours each time or whatever. And it's just, seems like, you know, not enough. Yeah. My hand to God, they said, we're English. We don't have to pay minimum wage. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. So I only worked there like three more nights before I quit, but yeah. 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 It's a low margin business. If you're English, if you're English and you know, and you're in Newport Ritchie, you can go in there and, you know, set up a dartboard and have a kid come in and clean the kitchen for you for like a dollar 20 an hour. You know, it's, it's, don't you think though that there is like, so did you work in like real restaurant restaurants as well? Yeah. One of them, it was a, it was an Italian restaurant that was mainly, I mean, most people ordered pizza, but they did. Uh, I did all of the preparation of everything that wasn't pizza. So everything from sub sandwiches to veal parmesan and spaghetti and meatballs and all the sort of Americanized Italian stuff. This was. Was there any seafood? I think they maybe did salmon, but nah. I'm gonna shrimp say I, uh, maybe shrimp. I don't think so. It's not very authentic. My experience that it's the second most disgusting dumpster you can have as an Italian food dumpster. The worst is KFC. KFC's dumpsters always are the worst, but it was just, it just smelled disgusting. Well, I think it's because of the, the way that, the way that those sauces and stuff decay or something. Oh yeah. It's and there's all kinds of meat. They got, they got all kinds of meat. And, uh, and so what was that? What was the kitchen like there? At the, at the Italian? Yeah. Uh, most of the kitchen was devoted to the the pizza ovens, and the place where they had me was kind of uh, almost like if you could imagine a closet with a very small slit style window that allowed you to sort of look out at the rest of the kitchen and then into the sounds in- like Cool Hand Luke. Yeah, it was almost like that, and and because I was so so incredibly short, I couldn't really see out of the little <laughs> window that there was there. Did Strother Martin work there? <laughs> Yeah, he was in. He ran. He ran the the pizza ovens. What and, we have here is a failure to cook the pizza. <laughs> and it was. Uh, and this was the thing. Uh, you would have to make the frustrating part of it was that you would have to make these subs, and the subs were fine, like meatball subs. I remember, especially required an additional step, and that you wouldn't just make the sub. Uh, you would have to take the sub, and then you. So you take the the bun out, you'd cut it open, you'd put the meatballs in it, the sauce in it, the cheese on it. And then you would have to put that on one of these little thin wire metal, uh, I don't know if you'd call it barely like a rack or a little thing, and you'd put it on that, and then you would put it into the pizza oven for a number of minutes, uh, and then it would it would get that nice little crispy toasted thing that would happen, and right, then, then right, you'd right. serve it. The food was quite good at this place. Mm. But here's the problem. So go. I'm I'm, I'm 15, maybe 14, 15 years old. I've never worked in a, in a, this kind of kitchen before. I have no burn calluses on my hands, and I'm short. So there's no way that I can get to the top of the pizza oven with the pizza. You know, they give you one of these wooden pallet things that you're supposed to slide the pizza and the racks and stuff mm-hmm. out with. So I try, but I would need to use both hands. At this to do this because I was this short, really dangerous. Dude. And I would I would slide it under the thing, and then I'd have to like balance it and bring it out. And the guy's like, "Why are you using this pizza thing to do it? Just pull it out." I'm like, "I can't pull it out. It's been in there for five minutes. It's hot." 
He's that's like, insane, and that could have hit you like right in the feet. Could have taken a hot pizza to the face. Oh, so he would he would reach into the oven and just using his hands and just take it out, and he'd just look at me while he was doing it with this look of disdain on it. It's just like I can't believe you can't just do this, you know. And I'm like, how are you doing that with your fingers? And he showed me his do hands. that with like steam tables. They're like Rutger Hauer. Yeah, and they his can, like, hands they're like plunge their hand into the. It's insane. They're like completely calloused and crusted over, and like it looked it, it like you look at his hands. You're like, how are you doing that? And uh, you know, I had these little velvet fourteen year old hands, and and he's like, you just need to get used to it. And I, he'd be like, pick up, pick up the sub, and I'd try to pick it up, and I would burn. I burn. I drop it on the floor because it would burn me. I would be burned. And he's like, you just need to get used to it. <laughs> did you Did you ever feel though, like like you did? Did you ever feel more like you fit, in, or did you always feel like an outsider there? Oh, always an outsider. Always, yeah. always. I was hired to wash dishes, and when and and they realized that. I was more talented than just washing dishes. That was, I was hired to wash dishes and I was going to get paid like 25 cents more per hour than I was making at Publix to wash dishes. So wow. I, they, they, that's amazing. That's amazing. And the thing is, that's a non tip job. So, I mean, it's right. a regular gig and you go home and being a waiter is hard, hard work. I, I never mean, did waiting. I never did that. Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Bus boy and, and waiting. Waiting is much harder than I would think than busing tables. I, I I got it in kind of an interesting order because I mean really the, like the front of house people and the kitchen. So what do I mean by that? You got the kitchen, right? You got the people who make the food that are really behind the scenes, and then you've got the people. There's some people who are like there's a hostess who by and large or host or whatever, or, you know, maitre d or whatever who mostly is on the floor taking care of stuff. There's bartenders and stuff, and then there's that you know waiters are obviously much more with the customer than in the kitchen. But when I was a waiter on a bus, well, yeah, I had to deal with the kitchen a lot. I had this job at a, in a different steakhouse in Newport Ritchie, and that was kind of that was a really cool job. I've talked about this job, but like, um, you know, that's like black pants and a white shirt with a black vest and a bow tie, and it's not too bad, you know. I would wear a long sleeve shirt, so I look kind of classy, you know. And uh, and I would go out there. It was mainly a busboy, so I would go out and have to clear tables really quick. Another place, by the way, that had Tuesday prime rib specials. This is three or four years later, and very fast turnover. You got to flip it just as fast as you can. And again, it's old people. It's, it's old people that want everything. They, they bring extra rolls, please, when you wrap up my food, you know, that kind of stuff. More, more sugar stealing, more salt and pepper stealing. But it's interesting. The order that I got this in, being a busboy, I really got much more exposure to the people. And that was really like, you'd see like how people can be really cool or really not. And you could, but you know what, what the reason I ask you that, Dan, whether you fit in, because I always felt like an outsider at those places, but I'm really glad I was thrust into a situation in retrospect. You know, back to that point about how we don't share those experiences. Well, we don't have the army anymore. You don't join the army and get your ass kicked when you're a teenager anymore. You know what I mean? There aren't that many true, no, you don't, you're never going to win this situations for people anymore. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I know I sound like an old man, but like when you were younger, there were a lot of like, you are not going to win this situations that you would have to be in. Whether that might have been like England, that might be going to like boarding school or Anybody joining those services, I mean, the whole point of Paris Island was to remove any conceit and personality you have and rebuild you as this thing. And yeah. I think a kitchen, a kitchen in like a surprisingly good way is kind of like that. You're never going to go in there and persuade the guy with the calluses to be nice to you because that's not his job. His job is to make that kitchen run well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, so I, I, was, I, was clearly, I was clearly not performing well because I couldn't do that. It was like a job and, out. And, and when he said, like, you just got to get used to it, well, fortunately 
for you in the long run, you never had to get used to that. But he's absolutely right. And, and I think that's the other. So like the one message that I think is interesting about the restaurant stuff. Yes, you learn about people and how people can be awful and how people can be great. But mostly people can be awful. But the kitchen part, I think, is the super interesting thing. The kitchen or whatever. And not so much McDonald's, but like a restaurant where you can't see stuff being done. The ki- If you've never been in a kitchen, I know you watch these TV shows with celebrities and stuff. But a real kitchen it actually is insane. It is employed. Insane people are employed in a kitchen. The people who work on a line at most kitchens, you know, it isn't all that like top chef stuff where you wear a bandana and go, uh, thank you, chef. Yeah. You like you scream. They scream at each every kitchen I've ever worked in. People scream at each other the entire time. And it's just how you work. The dishwasher is always a stoner and a convict. And then there's always like kind of this in-between guy who does like a combination of like prep work, baked potatoes and like grunt work. And there's the actual line guys who do the food, but they're never going to change their system for you. You know, you're, you're, you, just because you have some bomb lot and like a diagram, <laughs> no, you're there to learn their system and you will never win. And I'm kind of glad I got that at least once. Do you know what I mean? Aren't you kind of glad with your little with your little uh, your no, little velvet hands? Your little velvet hands got exposed to mean men like that. Like, wasn't that kind of a good thing in some ways? Oh, it was a great thing. And eventually, here's the weird thing: is ev- eventually, I did sort of get a little bit of the callousing after doing it long enough. But and that, I, I and think- that taught me something, you know, is that uh, you you got to endure flesh wounds in order to learn something. And, and, and yes, absolutely. And I guess the the part where this at like minute, you know, 95 finally gets to, to what the show's about is that I think it's easy to look at something like working in a kitchen. I, and I just want to be really clear about this. The kitchen that I worked in, or not the kitchen, when I was a busboy in Newport Ritchie, I mean, they really were like crazy people. And like, for, I remember there was one guy who was literally like a recent, he'd been in county jail for a pretty long time. And he would always wear this red shirt with black letters, you know, like the kind you get at the mall at the t-shirt. <laughs> or whatever yeah and it actually said in like copper uh cooper black it actually said liquor in the front poker in the rear <laughs> and it's always funny and like he would eat he would actually do that thing where he held the plate up under his chin and 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 gripped gripped the fork like a shovel because he'd been in prison oh, and you weren't allowed man. to get near him when he was eating and that's the kind of people and i, I guess i and i again i had i had really i had little velvet hands too when i started there in a lot of ways just you know and then pretty soon I learned to carry around these like 40 pound trays of dishes. Yeah. And you Did you ever drop it. that? Sure, everybody drops it. Yeah, yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. And yeah, but I mean like oh god, I just I, this is probably going to be really tedious and boring to most people, but I just learned so much at that job in like intentional and unintentional ways. Like I remember once on prime rib night there was a pretty regular customer. So the, the waiter that there are two waiters at this place that made the most. This really, really, really tall gay guy who was hilarious. This guy named Mike. And Mike always wore like one of those sommelier medallions. <laughs> it made him look really – but he was brilliant. And he would just make all of these jokes, these like kind of um, – these really hilarious gay jokes that people would mostly not get but kind of get and laugh a little bit. These were retirees. These were retirees. And he was hilarious. He was so funny. And the other guy was Ed. And Ed was super serious. And Ed acted like he was working – at like the rainbow room. He acted like he was the most high class waiter of all time. And he killed in tips. He killed because he treated all these old people like he could get a dollar more per table, Mm. you know, which adds up, you know, I was making 40 bucks a night, which means these guys were making $400 a night. 
and which not bad dough for 1984. Yeah. Oh, they blow good. it all on coke on coke and sambuca, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I would I, you know I would go home and watch Night Flight and like you know Night eat Flight. It. Night <laughs> watch. I didn't have MTV. I would go home and watch Night Flight, you know, and drink that, one stolen beer. <laughs> but did they what, ever what, give you food to take home with you? God, I stole one, stole one, stole. One. Oh, I just remembered riding home because I would ride my bike at a ten speed. This is before twelve speeds. But they give you food to take home. Well, here is the deal: that. is that is that if there were anything that was like left over that was ordered by mistake or whatever, they would you could definitely have that. But a lot of the time, they because I think it I think it worked out to the fact that it cost them something like a dollar to make a whole pizza with all the toppings large. Like it was, yeah, it was pizza's pretty. Pizza, I think, is fairly high margin as foods go. So I just remember driving home on my bike at usually about one in the morning. After we closed up and everything else, did you just feel like a total grown up when with you did the, that? With you must the, have felt like a, like such a grown up when you were. Yeah, it was that. great, and and you'd have the pizza across the handlebars of your bike and a sub on top of that, and you'd just be pedaling home fully exhausted. Because usually I would work at uh, the Publix for you know the four to six hours before that, and then I'd do another six hours at at that place, and then I'd ride home. This was my weekends in high school, by the way. And uh, and then you'd have this pizza and the sub, and I you know eat eat that and then collapse and pass out till the next day. Do it again and awesome. then go to school. So awesome! It was I, fun though. I felt like a grown up. I stole. I stole a lot. Oh my god! I stole. What food? I, oh my god! I got brave. That was the problem. Casapita, Casapeta, and I'm not sure how to say that this person's name. It asks, is it, "Will will we let our kids? Would you let your kids experience jobs like this?" That's not really up to me. Um, I mean, it'll be up to her. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, she can work wherever she wants, right? She told me last night, yes, she still wants to be uh, a veterinarian, but she also wants to be a soccer player and a people doctor and a make-believe doctor. And uh, she told me like the seven things she wants to be. So, But you know, to get to being a make-believe doctor, you really should work in a restaurant at some point. Well, I, I would. What about you? I mean, I, I, I think of that as not being my call. To me, like religion and restaurant work, she's going to have to decide that for herself. Yeah. What do you think? You know, there's there's two parts of me. One goes back to the part that you that you just said, which is, don't you feel like you learned something? And and what I feel like I learned from those jobs is as well all the jobs that I did uh, is that I feel privileged every time that I consider the fact that I get to like sit in front of a computer and mess around with stuff like that. That's my job now. I mean, now my job is talking, but. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that any of these things that we do, that this horrible work that people have to do writing code is so much better than standing behind a, behind a 550 degree broiler at Burger King. And mm-hmm. that there are plenty of adults who would kill for that job right now. It's like mm-hmm. that for me, there's a value in that, that I don't think if, if, if you didn't have, if I didn't have to do that, I don't know how much I would appreciate that. Um, so there's, there's that big value. And I'd like, I'd like for my, uh, my son to experience that and learn that. And I'm not sure if there's a way to teach it unless they do it. But I would never want my kid to work at that Burger King. I think that's a really common thing for parents is like, I, I, I really, I need you to understand. It's sort of like you're talking about the tear kind of thing. Like, I don't want you to have a tear <laughs> or I don't want you to have a, you know, whatever when you give birth. But like, it's really important to me for you to know that I, you know what I mean? I, I think, I think in this case, like we're going to brag about these stories and embellish them and you know, whatever. But no, ultimately you always want something better for your kids. Yeah. But I, I I'm trying <clears throat> Hopefully not trying too hard, but I, I really am trying to make 
let her take the path she's going to take. I mean, like I've told her, I mean, my job is to make sure you don't act like a jerk too much right now. But like, by and large, it's going to be her call for stuff like that. I mean, I hope she doesn't get a tattoo, but, you know, I just I don't like tattoos, but it bugs me. But but apart from that, I think she's on her own, you know, but um, I want, I want to point out one thing, though. I, I, I'm not sure when you say working five five hundred dollar or five hundred uh, degree grill. I mean, to me, there's when we work in a restaurant, like, for example, one thing I loved that I, I still miss. And I've talked about this on Yield Night today like four times, but I used to love coming home with cash in my pocket. Oh, yeah. Like that's something super cool about like I worked for this long and then they gave me this money that I can do stuff with now. And it was so inextricably tied to the experience of the work that I just did. Okay. So I come in at four or four thirty. I've got to stock the bus station. I've got to bring in the silverware. I got to uh, fold napkins. I got to, you know what I mean? There's a very, there's a process and there's, it's very, it's work that takes a long time. Not a long time. It takes a lot of practice to get good at that work. But then once you get understandable work, and when you go home on your 10 speed with a pizza, you're done. Yeah. Like nobody very, unless you really, really, really screwed up, like nobody's going to call you and make you come back. Yeah. And you got, you got cash and a pizza. And I think that is, I, I, I'm not going to romanticize that because it was really hard, gross work, but there's something really cool about the directness of that work. And to, further to that point, like if I went in and as I worked there longer, I got better tips because I did better stuff. I learned who would give me a buck to look like a big shot at the table. And I would do something like come bring him an extra like monkey dish of sauce because I knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, so I developed a kind of expertise with that. And I knew that would mean a little more money. And like, why am I saying this? Because today I don't have anything like that. Every time I talk to somebody about a speaking gig, I have no idea how much they want to spend. I have no idea whether they'll pay me in any sane way. I have, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like a, that's the, with speaking gigs or like, like with think about like Mike's whole thing, Montero's thing when he was on your uh, on your uh, what pipeline when right. he was on. Yeah, like you've got to go in and have these really clear conversations with people now, or there's huge amounts of room for complete confusion. And then on top of it all, like even you could really grudgingly take a job, but then have them like blackberrying you in the middle of the night about an idea they had for the homepage. You know what I mean? That's yeah. part of what makes knowledge work so complex is we do define it. We, we do have to decide where all the lines are. And then our compensation maybe until we get really good at it and until we have enough work to turn other work away, we're, we, you can really easily find yourself at somebody else's uh, really in somebody else's control. I mean, they have, they have the bargaining position and you don't. So as much as those jobs suck, yeah, they taught us good stuff. But I also, I, I really liked a, that sense of like a direct connection to what I had just done and the value that I got out of that money wise. But I also really liked it. It was just over. You just go home. You could take a shower and you were done working. And like how many people today that are listening to this? How many of you nerds are like, can you just like say, okay, it's five I'm not going to think about work anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't think that happens. You know, all that yeah. insanity, all those crazy people, liquor in the front, poker in the rear. That guy never, like, called me at my house. <laughs> Didn't have my number, thank God. <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I just, I think that's, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think, I think work today is complicated. And there's something that I am a, just slightly nostalgic about that. You know, also, I can't steal beer from people who pay me like I used to. I used to steal a lot of beer. I stole a case of Michelob once. I, was, I shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. I had a great trick though. When I take out the napkins to go to the like, so we had cloth napkins and you have to take them out back 
you know, to the little place where the cloth napkin guy would pick it up to clean them. And I drop like a six pack of Michelob in there when I took it out. I thought I invented that, but it turns out that's a pretty old trick. For me. <laughs> so anyway, what other, so and did you have other ones? Were there any other ones? Oh, does Domino's pizza count? Oh God. Boy, that's really monkey work, right? I mean, that's just a hundred percent. It's a it's an assembly line work. It's assembly line work. An order comes in, you t- you know, you take the order, and then you write it down, and then either you or one of the other people gets one of the the dough balls, which have probably already been turned into pizza shapes, and you put the sauce on, and then you put the cheese on, and you put the toppings on, and you put it in the oven. It comes out. You put it in a box. You slam the cutter across it eight times, and you know, Boom. Done. Boom. then you put it in then you figure out where you're going and you drive. I mean, it, it's, it's a well, <laughs> and, and there I remember being told that it cost 37 cents to make a large pizza with all the toppings. Damn. I, I just, don't know I if just, that's true or if that's accurate, but, uh, that's insane. yeah. Well, you know, food used to be a little, well, probably because of subsidies and a variety of reasons, but food was cheaper at that time today. <clears throat> I think it is much more costly to make a pizza probably today. But, but, but yeah, it's ridiculous. I just bought my daughter a new Thomas train. He's not a crane, technically, he's a crane. But he's still a really useful engine. His name's Rocky. And <laughs> even though he's not an engine. Um, but it was very costly. And I sat there and I held it in my hand. She loves it. She loves it, loves it, loves it. So I'm glad I got it. But I sat there. I'm not even going to tell you what I paid for this thing. But I looked at it and I was like, this is, <laughs> this is like 16 cents worth of plastic, some paint, and a licensing agreement. Right. It's like, it's like a license to print money. It's unbelievable. I, I anyway. Well, we should. Well, I can't even tell what's how much time we got. We're probably running kind of. Uh, we're, yeah, we should. We should. As you, as you like to say, we should button it up. We got to button. It up. I I. We should button it up. But the uh, but I had a bunch of these, and I mean, like uh, we can't go into all of them. But the thread through all of them was that I thought, in retrospect, I hated it at the time, but in, in now it feels useful. Was that. You could try and inject yourself into all of these jobs, but there was really no room. There was very little room for yourself in those jobs, at least in my case, I discovered. I mean, when you're a waiter, I learned this from my friend Michael, Michael Ferguson, uh, who's the best. I mean, he, we were room housemates in, in college, and he's just one of my best pals. And Michael was a much better waiter than me. He taught me the Sullivan nod. Um, Sullivan nod is when you say to somebody, how was your dinner? And imagine me nodding while I'm smiling and saying that. <laughs> It's basic sales. Basic sales is getting people to repeatedly say yes. You know, where you say, boy, do you hate, do you hate having to vacuum your rug? Oh, boy, isn't it frustrating when, when you get a vacuum cleaner and you have to keep cleaning all the crud out of it? Does it drive you crazy when you hear a penny go up in there and you think, oh, this repair bill is going to go through the roof? Wouldn't you love it if there was a vacuum cleaner? So basically, I've just asked you three questions it's hard to not say yes to. And so there's this weird phenomenon where now you're maybe going to say yes to the next thing just out of wrote and you could totally do that with cheesecake too i learned that from michael how would but you do job, it how would you do it with cheesecake oh would you would you uh, well then solving not technically an implementation is is where you would say something like uh well uh did we save room for dessert i hate when people say that now so disgusting well you know what don't worry about what room i have in my intestines how about you just how about you bring the check and don't ask me about my intestines i, <laughs> I, have, I have room for whatever i need do you have room do you have room for a punch <laughs> in the face did we save room <laughs> idiot but you did say something like, uh, oh, do we save room for dessert? Are we ready for some coffee? You say something like, uh, would, everybody, would everybody like some, uh, some hot coffee? And, and then you start nodding when you say a uh, slice of our famous cheesecake or something like that. Uh, this is basically a G.I. Friday's move, but it, yeah. kind of, it kind of works. 
Yeah, but that job was that was really funny because I thought it was myself. I thought that was all about me, and I thought it was about my style. And then one day I was talking to the uh, the lady who was like the ran the floor. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess tourist season is going to be over. I guess I probably won't get as many hours. She says, oh no, no, you'll be fired then. <laughs> I, said, I said, what? She said, oh, we have we have we have no. She was French. She said, we have no need of you anymore. Then no, you will you will you will not work here anymore. And I was like, oh, and I, like, I remember this sinking feeling. Probably to this day. I don't think about, I haven't thought about that more than like twice a year since 1988 or whatever. But I remember being so crestfallen that I wasn't like part of the team. I thought I was going to be like, you know, like the Mexican guys in the kitchen. I thought I was going to be there like as long as I wanted it. And I really, I really was like the, the rack conveyor belt, you know, they could just put a different one in there and it would all be fine. Mm. Hmm. Now, now here's the big question. Back to your, back to your, the interesting part of this. Uh, so, when you got to eat now, no, you you apply, you apply the things you've learned. As far as like what food not to order, what food not to order, but also how to treat the staff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's another thing that I think if it, you know, whenever I see somebody who doesn't leave a a, a, a decent <sighs> tip or somebody who's just a jerk, and uh, you know family members or friends that you go with who are just rude to the people, I always just feel mortified. And yeah, I mean, it's so important because those people are generally speaking, if you work in a restaurant, generally speaking, uh, it's a difficult job. It's a challenging job. Uh, They're, they're probably not making as much money as they should be. And, you know, they have to deal with abuse from customers 24 hours a day. It's a, you have to be, you have to go out of your way to be nice to them and do it in a genuine way as much as possible because otherwise you don't know what they're going to do to your food, which brings us full circle, really. Yeah, exactly. So I was going to, you know, I, I don't want to get into too many. I would like to hear something. All right, I got, I got a couple, but uh, I, I, I really think about this now because I, this happens to me a lot on the phone. I get really, really, I hate dealing with companies over the phone. I mean, AT&T, Comcast, yeah. any of these. Like, they're in a position, my bank. If I, if I travel, have you ever had this happen? You go somewhere, and they, like, cut off your, they cut off your credit card, or they cut off your debit card. You go somewhere, and, and suddenly your card doesn't work. You go to the hotel to pay, and your card doesn't work. And you go, and they say, sorry, it was declined. I'm like, well, it's, there's money and stuff in there. And they go, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I call the bank, and they go, oh, 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 we noticed some unusual activity. Right. And, and you go, well, I don't understand what unusual activity. Well, most of your purchases are in Northern California, but it looks like you recently bought something near Boston. It's like, that's because I got on a big metal plane that flew here. <laughs> and like, but sir, then earlier today, there was a purchase in uh, Seattle. I said, that's called Amazon.com. <laughs> and I can buy things with these little wires that, that are like phones, but for books. And that happens. And now the thing is, here's the deal. Now I have to call them. I got to call them. It's my problem now. And I got to get on them. So I get super frustrated, even when the person is trying to help me. And I find myself even saying, like, I know this is not your fault. I know this is not your fault, but this is so frustrating. And like, I have to sit there and be supplicant to like get my money back. PayPal, don't get me started. That just makes me, but I, I always try and temper that with this experience of the restaurant stuff. Because those people can I just say to anybody who travels, this is true to the hundredth power with every person who works in an airline. You have no idea what somebody in an airline could do to change your experience. Oh, yeah. Mostly they, especially if it's United, 
they're just they're just horrible homunculuses and they'll do anything because they're small people who should be in a gulag. But like you go somewhere, like if you roll on like Air New Zealand, you go on Virgin, you go on any of these decent places, they'll do nice stuff for you if you're nice. Or they'll at least do neutral stuff. But if you go and you act like a dick, like you're not going to be on the next plane. Oh, you have, know what? That, that works, that works, works across fine. the board, man. It works across the sure. board. I, was, I, I went to pick up a prescription uh, at the, 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 uh, the Walgreens. And I didn't realize that, but the, this Walgreens was closing, like not the Walgreens itself, but the pharmacy was closing like right then. So I walked up and I handed it to the lady and, and the lady says, uh, she's like, oh, well, when do you want to, what time tomorrow do you want to pick this up? And I said, well, I, I was kind of hoping to get it now. And she's like, oh, well, I can't because you know, we're closing. And I said, oh, I said, well, where's the, where, where's another one that's not closing? And she says, oh, it's all the way out here on this road. And I said, oh man, you know, that's, that's like a 20 minute drive. But I didn't complain about it. I said, "Oh, okay. Well, thanks." Exactly. You so know, you're and, doing your job. I understand. It's not. And, and then she's like, "She's like, you know." I said, I, "I appreciate it. I didn't realize you guys are closing." And she she says, "Let me just see if I can print this really quick." Now, if I had, and she did, and she just she did it right then, and you know, it was really nice. She didn't have to do that. She could have just said, "We're closed." And that's how the, the attitude she had was very much like she was obviously, you know, like we're we're closed. I'm getting out of here, kind of thing. But I think right. if she, I she doesn't get paid, she doesn't get paid extra for helping. No, and if I had said to her, "Could you please just run it? I really need this. I, I mean, can you just do it? I, it'll only take you a second. She would have said no and shut the gate. And instead, I was just kind of okay, thanks, sorry. And she's like, "Well, let me let me just do it." I, I don't mean this to sound like like a pff, seduction community kind of trick or something, but I really do believe this. I mean, I, well, first of all, this is part of growing up. I've eventually I've learned at length. I have finally learned that like. No, don't yell at people to do stuff because it, not only is it ineffective, it, it's just it's just stupid. I it's think just people just thing. they just get angry and they want sure. to blame somebody and they just have to. Why do you know? I they, do it. I do it, and I hate it when I do it. Do you? I mean, well, yeah, I do. I do it. I mean, I, sometimes it's just sometimes it's a mood thing, but especially if it's something where it's kind of screwing my kid a little bit, it just I get really emotional sometimes and i don't mean to be yeah and it but you know it's nobody cares about that as much as i do and i have to accept that but uh, to your point like yes and, and this, I, don't, I don't mean this as a trick that you should go do to like mess with people but what you just described is exactly right so you go to the pharmacy and how many times has somebody gone in there and i made this crack yesterday on about old people on twitter because they're bad but like seriously the coupon people like 10% of my time in a Walgreens is listening to somebody argue about an expired coupon. Oh, man. And like maybe that person will take it just to get you out of there. But mostly you're just being a dick. You know? And when I'm going somewhere and I'm actually – and I, I'm in the damn position with the prescription, I'll do exactly the same thing. I'll say, oh, I understand completely. I'll just come in in the morning. I really appreciate it. And it's, you know, Because first of all, well, that's just a decent thing to do is to say that. It's not their job to stay there and help you. But like a surprising amount of time, they will. I found this to be really true in hotels. Like this is one reason I roll with Marriotts because Marriotts have had just so many good experiences versus other chains. I don't know why. Maybe it's the Mormonism. I'm not sure, but they're, I, I just have really good experiences. And really, to that all, to a way earlier point, also really quick check in. They don't want to hang out and talk and be my friend. It's not all TGI Fridays, but they, they will offer. They will notice things. They will say things to help helpful things. And then uh, you can go down go down by the counter and, and get a Hagen Dust bar, which is always kind of nice. But. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell well, me, other, what did you do to the food? Oh, God. And then we'll, then we'll button this up. You ever, you ever heard the phrase uh, gleeking or snaking? Did you ever do that when you were a kid? You ever, uh, do that? You ever seen somebody? It was like a kind of a junior high thing to do where you could do this thing where like if you're like an annoying 
kid, you could do this thing. You've probably done this by accident at your dentist. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. Geezing. 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 I thought I've heard it called gleeking and uh, I call it snaking. Yeah. And, and I got pretty good at it at one point. <laughs> so basically you push your tongue down a little bit. Yeah. And whatever the opposite, the floor of your mouth. I, I can't do it. Mm, or at least not intentionally. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, 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 it's a lot like it's like mouth kegels. And so then you can do this thing. <laughs> And uh, I did that a lot on chicken nuggets if somebody was a dick or on a burger. Just that was my own little special thing. That was just for me. The all time, my all time favorite of these, uh, my friend Chris, who would eventually get, I think, a PhD in chemistry from Yale. And he, uh, when he quit, he was like just one of the best guys ever. He's so awesome. And he really, really hated this job that he was quitting right before, I think it was right before he went to college. And uh, he'd been scoping this out because he was a smart guy with a very scientific mind. And the day that he quit, he knew there was a white five-gallon uh, five bucket of white paint in the men's room. And he pinched a loaf in it and put the lid back on. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> now, that is so great on so many <laughs> levels. Okay, it's terrible. It's yeah, absolutely all, terrible. It is. It's just oh, never God. do that. But first of all, A, poop, funny. That's terrible. Uh, B, white paint. C, the lid is on there and nobody will find that. Oh, that's months. disgusting. That's yeah. so bad. Well, the paint's room temperature, so that's just going to drop. Oh, in, right? yeah. Oh, anyway, it's terrible. Almost the painting. Whoa, um, that's pretty good. <laughs> what would be uh, worse is if they don't figure it out and they paint with it. Yeah, now that's in your walls. Yeah, that's a biohazard. Problem. Terrible. Yeah, pickle jar. Uh, the pickles. I would be careful. Sometimes, uh, you know, I don't get the pickles because if you're really sometimes people pee, pee in the pickle thing. Um, why though? Why? Why do people do this? Human human nature. Human nature. Um, Terrible. I didn't do too much bad stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The one job or the bus boy. This, this was not my doing. This was a demand from our our angry coked up um, manager and the angry coked up owner, which was that if you brought back rolls from the table, if the rolls did not have like a thumb hole in them, you put them back. Yeah, I've heard that. Like for like three or four rounds until they became so hard that they went into a garbage bag and became croutons. Mm. That is a restaurant. That's I've heard that. I've also heard the thing about the butter where they. They re- reuse the butter in the little tins that they send out with the rolls, and that apparently oh, yeah. they put it on the on the the, the griddle and, and heat it up. As long as it's heated up, it kills all the germs, and they can reconstitute it back and use it in the same that or other way. That doesn't even make sense. It would melt. Yeah, it melts, but then they they put it back in a, the bowl and it hmm. resolidifies in the fridge or something. I oh, I oh I get what you're saying. That's smart. Oh, that's disturbing. Yeah, apparently huh. that's common, and it's t- and it's considered sanitary because they are reheating it. But uh, mm. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna make my own lunch today. Is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. And see, I I hardly eat out anymore. Yeah, mm-hmm. yo, that's the hard thing. I've said this to Adam on on the program. It's like I never realized how much I enjoyed the ability to just go eat out because that doesn't happen now. Yeah, you know, you got to get the nap right. You know what I mean? You got to get dressed and get out the door. That's half an hour. Yeah. You know, and then, gosh, just hope. My kid's pretty. I have to say, I mean, she's pretty. She's pretty mellow. She used to be pretty mellow. She's getting less mellow now because she's getting a personality. But mm. Mm. did you ever speaking of tipping? Did you ever hear that episode? We should talk about this on After Dark. We should talk about it After Dark. But um, yeah, restaurants. I don't know if this is useful for anyone, Dan. This is probably not a lot useful here, but it's. I think it's the closest thing we've got to the army nowadays. I guess we got an army. There's still an army, right? Yeah, of course. Hmm. All the armed forces still exist. God bless them. 
Yeah. I'd like to see some of that money going to teachers. I don't want to be a dick about it, but yeah. All right. Well, Merlin, we'll be back next week, though. Yeah. Yeah. You want to button it up? Let's button it up, as you say. Okay. I love you. Love you, too.